Welcome to the WPC Sermon Podcast from Westminster Presbyterian Church in Charlotte, North Carolina. This week's Palm Sunday Sermon is from Head Pastor Owen Stepp, titled, Stay on the Path, and is part of our sermon series on the season of Lent. To find more information on our worship services and live stream, check out our website, westminstercharlotte.org. Now enjoy this week's message from Pastor Owen. I want to invite you into a story more than 2,000 years ago. Picture yourself in these words in this reading from Mark. When they were approaching Jerusalem at Bethage and Bethany near the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two of his disciples and said to them, go into the village ahead of you And immediately as you enter it, you will find there a colt who has never been ridden. Untie it and bring it. If anyone says to you, why are you doing this? Just say this, the Lord needs it and will send it back here immediately. They went away and found a colt tied near a door outside in the street. And as they were untying it, some of the bystanders said to them, What are you doing, untying the colt? They told them what Jesus had said, and they allowed them to take it. Then they brought the colt to Jesus, and they threw their cloaks on it, and he sat on it. Many people spread their cloaks on the road, and others spread leafy branches that they had cut in the fields. Then those who went ahead and those who followed were shouting, Hosanna, Hosanna, blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessing is the coming kingdom of our ancestor David, Hosanna in the highest. Then he entered Jerusalem and went into the temple. And when he had looked around at everything, as it was already late, he went out to Bethany with the twelve. This is the word of the Lord. Our scripture reading this morning comes from the book of Philippians, chapter 3, verses 12 to 16. Not that I have already obtained this or have already reached the goal, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Beloved, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but this one thing I do forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. I press on towards the goal for the prize of the heavenly call of God in Christ Jesus. Let those of us then who are mature be of the same mind. And if you think differently about anything, this too God will reveal to you. Only let us hold fast to what we have attained. This is the word of the Lord. Let us pray as we come to God's word. Father, now we have heard your word read to us. Make it the word of life to to us now by the power of your Holy Spirit that we might be made more like Jesus in whose name we pray, amen. Do you remember last Palm Sunday? What was that day like for you? We still lived in Atlanta. (laughs) And we were under a stay-at-home order. So church was a Facebook Live broadcast from our back porch on that day. 
And it was one of those times when I realized in my life, my wife genuinely does love me. Because not only did she do the normal children things that day, she was my IT person. She was the costume person because we produced three little donkeys with ears and tails to process around with palm branches in our backyard. Charlie loved it, didn't you, buddy? <laughs> but we were all just at the beginning of this thing uh, where we are a year later. And, but we were able today to process again, to remember that is a corporate uh, life that we lead. It's a corporate faith that we profess. And it's not just people that are alive today, but people who have walked this earth many generations before us. We spent these weeks of Lent turning our attention toward God, talking about some of the practices that God gives us that might put away the distractions that so easily snare our attention and turn our attention more fully back toward God. I encourage you, maybe sometime during these, these Lenten practices, you kind of fell off the wagon a little bit, or maybe you never started them. Use this week. Take this holy week between Palm Sunday and Easter and commit your attention to God in a new way, and I believe that he will draw us close to himself. I was talking with one of our guys the other day, and he was telling me that he has taken on a, a practice in this season of reading through the entire Bible. And he said he was stuck in Jeremiah, and he couldn't wait for Jeremiah to be over with. He said he just didn't feel like he was getting anything out of it. And I said, that's when it's really starting to make a difference. Those things that we do over and over again, those habits that we have that we continue to practice are the things that will eventually shape us and make us into the people we are becoming by God's grace. So even when we don't feel like those things are working, we keep on doing them because we do know that at the end there is something else. It's a significant thing that we carry on with those practices, maybe when we don't feel like it, maybe especially when we don't feel like it, because we're giving our attention to whom? God. We're taking a moment out of our day, and we're quieting the other voices of our life. We say, my attention right now belongs to the one who has made me and has loved me. It applies to exercise. It applies to schoolwork. It applies to our spiritual lives as well, that the practices of attention eventually shape us, who we become. On this Palm Sunday, we're shifting our focus a little bit from the things that we do to the things that Jesus did. We're going to look at the suffering and the opposition that Jesus endured for us. We're looking at the reason for this because it is relatively easy to do something for a short and limited period of time, right? And the practices that we're talking about, we're not inconvenienced that much by them, especially when the weather is nice, right? Especially when feelings are high and it feels like everybody is going in the same direction with us. But the test comes when times are tough. The test comes when the road is long and there is suffering involved. When we're not sure that we're going to make it, that's when the test of commitment comes when we face opposition. Jesus faced all kinds of opposition, internal and external. He faced temptation from the inside and voices from the outside. And those voices of the crowd around him, I think, are the primary 
one of the primary oppositions that Jesus faced and shows us how to overcome as well. There are few things in life that are, are as seductive as the voice of the crowd. When the crowd is telling you that you are the greatest and chanting your name, it's such a rush. We're in a time when the voice of the crowd has more power maybe than it ever has before. All it takes is one person sending out a post or a tweet, and everyone has access to it at that point. And there is some benefit to that. There is some benefit to everyone having a voice. I mean, we have great apps like Waze, right? I know how to get around Charlotte because everybody else's information is feeding into that, telling me where there's an accident or where the slowdown is or where the traffic is or where the police are. How many of us used Wikipedia this week? Something that everybody gets in on, right? Anybody can edit anything on Wikipedia. The voice of the crowd sometimes is helpful. It sometimes can point us in the right direction, sometimes misleading. But we must also acknowledge that the voice of the crowd can be a seductive temptation. One of the most seductive in the world, I would think. Most of us want to be in the in crowd. Most of us want to be liked. Most of us want to be part of the group. C.S. Lewis calls it the quest for the inner ring. He writes, I believe that in all people's lives at certain periods and in many people's lives all the time, between infancy and extreme old age, one of the most dominant elements is the desire to be inside the local ring and the terror of being left outside. There's a gravitational pull of the crowd when you are not the one being included or liked or loved, but the one who they were crowning king named Jesus knew that very well. The people around Jesus at this time were awaiting their king who would come and overthrow the Romans and make no mistake about it, they were evil. The Romans were brutal and they were evil and they were violent over the people in their empire. And the people of Israel believed that the Messiah would come in a military coup, if you will, as a political savior for them. He would come by force and overthrow the Romans and liberate his people in Israel. And it's apparent that many of them believe that Jesus was that guy. You can hear it in the words that they proclaim when they say, Hosanna, which means, Lord, save us. Blessed is the one who comes in the kingdom of our ancestor David. They were desiring and praying for and believing for a political reality to happen in the name of Jesus. But the politics of this world were not what Jesus was about. And sometimes we need to hear that word again today in 2021 in America. The politics of this world are not what Jesus was about. The kingdom of this world is not what Jesus is about. These people placed their palm branches on the ground in front of Jesus as he came. Just know that every detail from the donkey to the palm branches to the cloaks being laid down was about everyone understanding that the king was coming. He was being hailed as the people's king, and they chanted, Hosanna, Hosanna, Lord, save us. And riding the crest of the crowd's adulation, one could understand if Jesus might have been drawn in by it. They love me. 
He might have been drawn into hearing what the crowd wanted him to be and to do, and he might forget about what God had created and called him to be and to do. It happens all the time, doesn't it? Good people with good intentions. It happens with pastors and churches who set out doing the things that God has created and called them to do, but somewhere along the way, we kind of lose our direction a little bit because we hear the voice of the crowd. We hear the things that we get pats on the back for. We hear the things that people really appreciate and encourage us to do where we become popular, where the crowds love us. Sometimes it's a good thing because you can be surrounded by good and godly people whose encouragement and counsel and wisdom can help you stay in the path, on the path that God has created and called you to walk. But often we follow the voice of the crowd even when we have started in a faithful spot with the best of intentions, we experience a drift away from where God would have us to walk. We experience a drift toward that path that is easy and smooth and has the least resistance along the way. The voice of the crowd encourages that drift by the gravitational pull of its own affection. The kind of affection that might lead one to say, they think I'm wonderful. As long as we're doing the things that the crowd wants us to do, expects us to do, they keep piling on the love and we keep feeling better about ourselves. But there comes a time when one must decide if the voice of the crowd itself is adrift. If the voice of the crowd is pulling us away from the voice of God. One writer put it this way, anyone who wants to lead the orchestra at some point must turn his back to the crowd. The praise of the crowd is like perfume. It is to be sniffed but never swallowed. The fickle nature of a crowd's praise is on full display this holy week as we read the story of Jesus here in the Gospel of Mark. For on Sundays we hear, Hosanna, Hosanna. And just a few days later, we read that a crowd gathered and shouted, crucify him for the life of our Lord Jesus Christ. The time when he was arrested by the Roman governor Pilate, and Pilate himself even called out the hypocrisy of the people of Jerusalem, when he said, what has this man done? And they shouted all the louder, crucify him, crucify him. What changed? What changed between Sunday and Thursday that the very ones who shouted Hosanna on Sunday would shout crucify him just a few days later? It turned out Jesus wasn't the Savior they wanted him to be. He wasn't going to overthrow the Romans. He wasn't going to set up David's kingdom again. He wasn't going to do any of the things they wanted him to do. So he was worthless to them. And they didn't just want to discard him. They wanted him dead. Crucify him. Crucify him. And there's a question that comes to us from these folks as well. What if Jesus isn't the Savior we want him to be? 
What if the real Jesus doesn't live up to the expectations that we have for him? What if the real Jesus, the genuine one, what if he's not here to meet the needs that we want him to meet? What if he's not about helping us get more fulfilled, more rich, more beautiful, more well-liked? What if he is, doesn't answer our prayers in the ways that we want him to? What if he actually wants to save us from things that we don't want to be saved from? To deliver us from things that we want to hold on to? What if that's the kind of Savior that he is? What if following Jesus is less about coming to church and more about going to the cross to which he has led us? I'll tell you today that it's great to have so many kids in church with their families today. It's great to have a procession that walks forward with the palm branches and remembers that beautiful day. But Holy Week is no kid's story. This is rated R material full of sin and betrayal and murder, and it is as serious as you can possibly imagine. It's a story where the good guy gets killed and the cowards and the evil people survive. It's the story of the hard truth that we human beings are not okay. Indeed, we're a bunch of sinners who will turn on the God who loves us and shout crucify him if he doesn't do what we want him to do. I fear we're like that crowd that lined the streets on a sunny Sunday morning and shouted, Hosanna, praising Jesus because they thought he was going to do what they wanted him to do. And then they turned on him when it turned out he wasn't. Where Jesus displayed the ultimate example of perseverance and humility as he came into Jerusalem on that Palm Sunday, too often I fear we would crumble and turn away because of the voices of the crowd. And I wonder what was going through his mind. Knowing, we know the whole story, right? We know what was going to happen over the next few days. Nobody else did at that point except for him. And as they shouted their hosannas, I wonder what Jesus was thinking knowing of the suffering and the death that would come to him in those days. What does it mean to us that Jesus turned away from the voice of the crowd and put on the face of humility and perseverance and endurance and courage to endure the suffering for us and for our salvation? All of these practices that we can put into our lives must be undergirded by those virtues which Jesus demonstrated in that place and which Paul really fleshes out a little bit more in Philippians in the passage that we read today. He gives us an example of the mindset that it takes to truly follow Jesus through the hard times, through the days of suffering in Holy Week to emulate the one who turned his face, as Luke says, toward Jerusalem, fully knowing what awaited him there. Paul writes this, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the heavenly call of God in Jesus Christ, forgetting what lies behind and pressing on toward what lies ahead. I press on toward the goal of the prize of the heavenly call of God in Christ Jesus. 
Friends, this world is difficult to live through. Each of us sitting in these pews today and watching online has challenges in our lives that would pull us away from being the people that God has created and called us to be. But Paul gives us an example. He was following Jesus' example, and he gives us one at well. Forgetting what lies behind, the good and the bad alike. Forgetting about all that stuff we could brag about all day long, and forgetting about all that stuff that we believe God might not love us if he knew our history. Forgetting all those things and pressing on. Pressing on toward the goal of Christ Jesus. Pressing on through these dark days of Holy Week, through the betrayal of Jesus, through the crucifixion of Jesus, through the denial of Jesus, and believing in faith that Easter is coming on Sunday. But we must walk these days with the same endurance and with the same fortitude that our Lord Jesus Christ did. Walk closely with him this week. Walk closely with him for these seven days to prepare our hearts to walk through the very valley of the shadow of death so that we might rejoice all the more on Easter morning. Let us pray. Lord, we confess today that we cave to the voice of the crowd too often. We confess that we see ourselves in that crowd around Jesus shouting Hosanna and knowing full well that we might be among those shouting crucify him days later. Merciful God, we thank you for the invitation to begin again. We thank you for the invitation to walk closely with our Savior. And I pray today, O oh God, for each of us here that we would know you in a deeper way in this week. That we would follow closely through your sufferings and your rejection and your grief and your death that we might know your life. Pray these things in our Lord Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for joining us for this week's message from Pastor Owen. If you'd like to find out more about our church or view a video of the full service, visit our website at westminstercharlotte.org. We look forward to seeing you soon.